This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Dublin Podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane, slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic headcase me, PJ Gallagher, doing our best to put a smile on your face. It's a midlife, it is literally a midlife crisis podcast. Start from next week, we'll have 10 15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week, which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting. Excuse me. And you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant bonus topics. Material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us, but stick with us too. Thank you. Hi, Paul Webster. Hi, Paul Butler Lennox. How are you doing? I'm good. It's uh, good to be in a sweaty studio with you. Yeah. Um, socially distanced and, uh, and uh, so fresh and so clean. Yeah, it's warm outside. It's strange. Usually we're coming in. Oh, jeez. In the cold. Uh, so yeah, no, it's good. Um, what is new in the world of Film Network Ireland? What's happening? Jesus, let me think. Yeah, we've loads of cool things coming up. Um, we're working on a series of classes supported by Screen Skills and a number of uh, uh, county arts offices and, and film centres around the country to provide um, some training, upskilling opportunities with Ewan Bremner from Trainspotting, who you might remember played uh, Spud. He's been in uh, Snowpiercer and most recently he played Alan McGee in Creation Story. So we're really excited about that series of classes which is coming up. Um, and we'll be announcing a little bit more information about those classes in the near future, about how you can how you can hustle some tickets from us. Um, also, we have a really cool um, um, networking, online networking event on Hopin. It's like a members forum, um, which you can check out. Um, you can If you go to our social media pages, you can find out a little bit more about that. And we've launched something which we've been working on for a long time, which we're really excited about. Um, a, it's a membership scheme for um, for film uh, filmmakers, up and coming filmmakers, and crea- uh, filmmaking creatives to um, gain a bit of face time with um, some people who they admire, you know, and create a mentor uh, mentorship in- environment. Um, and we've had. <laughs> overwhelmingly positive support on this. Um, if you want to get involved in that, go head on over to www.wearefni.com forward slash mentors and you can see a really cool animated video and you can find out a little bit more about how you can get involved. Um, so yeah, basically if you want to join our membership, it's five euros per month or uh, 50 euros per year and there, we're, we're going to be adding lots of little add-ons and really cool perks for people who join a membership and all of it is to um, help the our continued work and what we do um, and so that we can offer, offer more opportunities and really cool things and all of the fangirls and boys can can uh, get some FaceTime with Paul Webster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I am one of the, the mentors. Yeah, we've some great people. I mean, Eva Bertessel is, is, is one of the members. Uh, Dermot Goggins, who directs TV uh, in the UK and over here, He's going to be directing that uh, some episodes of that new um, fantastic show, Kin. Um, brilliant actors and directors across the board. Just too many to mention by name, but just some really great people and like really practical from a practical point of view. Some really wonderful people that are just giving their time and energy to what you know our project, and it's really overwhelming. It's wonderful. So thank you so much. So today on the podcast we have. Producer Alan 
Maher. Um, yeah. And if you look at his IMDb, just he's been uh, involved in so many great productions over the last few years, especially a lot of my favourite documentaries. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's midwifed a lot of those into existence <laughs> uh, as a producer and as an executive uh, in uh what was then the film board now screen Ireland mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah it was great to get his take on what makes a good documentary and how to get it out into the world and also he's not just a documentary producer he also makes dramas including Rialto recently mm-hmm. um, and we got to chat about um, Songs for a While I'm Away the new Phil Linnet documentary that is is it Linnet or Linnet? Line. I, it is I think Linnet didn't his mum say Linnet? she I says Linnet yeah. I think he's yeah but uh, I've been saying Linnet for so long. I look, I, I do not like my natural north side uh instincts uh tell me that it's Linnet. Yeah. Uh, Linnet. Yeah. Um but you know it's certainly a documentary that has to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Goosebumps, the trailer alone, you know. So it look a brilliant advertisement for going to the cinema. So please, please go and see it in the cinema if you can. Yeah, released by Breakout Pictures. So uh follow them for all the information on where you can go see it, but uh, yeah, it's in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's good. really exciting times. Cinema's yeah. back, Paul. Yeah, I cannot wait to get back into cinema. <sighs> uh, even in the summer, I said, I summer is always for me. I always enjoyed getting in. You know, I, coming I actually, out and it's still bright. It's yeah, nice. I love that. I lo- when it's too hot, I love I love slipping into like an air conditioned nice, cinema. Cool cinema. Yeah, and then nipping back out and then you know doing other things. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Guys, this is a really good podcast purely because we're talking to an individual who's been who's been on both sides of the fence in terms of funding and applications and and producing, and so he knows both of those worlds really well. Please share this with other people. Um, that's how our podcast grows. Yeah, share, rate, review. That is, I know we say it all the time, but it really does help. Yeah grow the podcast. It's it's extremely important. So yeah, just send it to a friend that you think would enjoy it yeah and um, it's, and and it's about it's available on spotify apple Podcasts, google googly podcasts and of course on the headstuff podcast network and on headstuff plus and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support from our sponsors yeah uh, brilliantly uh supported by the likes of wildcard distribution um octavid.com and you know the champions of independent film uh film equipment store slash hire um yeah enjoy Let's go to Alan Maher. everybody and welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Wildcard Distribution, Octavid.com and the wonderful people at Film Equipment Store. We're here in the studio with producer Alan Maher. Um, your name is on a lot of my favourite films of the of the last few years of, last, of uh, you know Irish films. Um, so we're looking forward to kind of going through your career. Uh, but it all started out with acting, is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, we well, I from a very young age, I wanted to be an actor. So I uh, 
I was a very shy kid, so I didn't like I had my own little world and made up my own TV shows in my head um, and all that sort of thing. And then in order to sort of get out of myself and my brothers were all really um, good footballers. Um, oh, okay. My um, my eldest brother was uh, was actually a schoolboy international and he was an apprentice at Leeds. And so and the other sort of followed in his footsteps, really. And um uh, they, they, they were already strong and for me to have something to do my parents sort of started sending me to acting classes and drama classes and um, when I was 10 I think I, I think I was 10 every memory you start when you get older you start to forget exactly <laughs> um, but I, I was in a um, I had a tiny part in a television um, a miniseries called The Price which I was uh, I played like more or less a special extra he went straight for the jugular didn't he yeah and then he yeah. sat down <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it was all that sort of thing Though the Vincent he, Brown of podcasts yeah I mean it was it was interesting I mean I remember my first actually the first audition that I did um, was my my mother had sent in a photograph to RT because they were looking for for kids yeah and, and I used to get uh, I'm still sometimes I, had, I suffered from motion sickness I'm giving a great image of myself as a kid right you can imagine this kind of <laughs> tiny little um, uh, sickly kid and um, I went uh, so I went to the car my gran- grandfather drove myself my mother to the to the RT studios and we're in this studio and they started off with I think about 10 of us so they were sort of auditioning 10 of us and it was the Hubbards I think were doing it um, and the, and then they started whittling us down till it was finally just the, there's two of us sitting in the room um, but at the stage that we got to, I was my my stomach wasn't really behaving itself, so I then had to excuse myself from the room and and um, made my mark all over the RTE studio <laughs> and in the toilets. But they were um, very nice, and they actually did then rang us up. I didn't get the big part, but I got a smaller part, and then that was. And then from that point onwards, I really wanted to be an actor. I remember I really liked being on set, and I. And I really liked um, being in character, you know, whatever that means, but sort of being in the moment, you know, and I'm forgetting about everything else and just concentrating on the work. But um, but my acting, uh, that's a story of failure, though, really, my, my acting career. Um, I can keep talking about it. I, I can high five you on that. Um, it's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough profession, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I think this is it's important, I think, also to remember that there's a lot of transfer, transferable skills for actors, mm. which which that's a good point. And yeah. that's why a lot of actors and you're a brilliant example of this go on to hold other very important roles in the industry. Yeah. Um, how do you think being an actor helped in, in, in regards to mm. where you are now? Getting used to failure and rejection. It's we did it help, I suppose, uh, from a from a different point, once I, I'd kind of. Done the Romans and Dublin Youth Theatre, as we talked about before, um, where a lot of great um, Irish actors have kind of come through, and uh, and that was really terrific. And I went to Samuel Beckett Centre with with Jason Barry, who was I was in the same class as Jason was on recently, and we became friends. Um, but I suppose at, a, at, a, at an early enough stage, I, I wasn't really. I was getting. I, I was. I was, li- I was in London with Jason in my twenties, and and. I was getting like a job a year and then eventually I decided that I would produce my own work. And yeah. I think that was the thing. I was always into the idea of a theatre company because once you in your last few weeks or months of, of college, of drama school, everybody wants to form a theatre company. But mainly out of fear, I think, because you're like, well, what are we going to do when we finish? We've mm-hmm. got suddenly we've got this big hole in our lives. So let's all um, gather together and and. Um, and do some theatre. And I did a little bit of directing. I was, I was, um, 
uh, Jerry Stanbridge was nice enough to give me something to direct um, uh, uh, with Donald Beecher and Michelle Moran, who were really great actors. And, and I think I did all right. But then anyway, when I was running out of work as an actor or not getting work, I decided to produce my own show and choose my own play with with um, a friend, two friends of mine, Ashling Flitt. Liam Halligan and I suppose that was my first experience in my mid-20s of just doing something myself kind of bringing it together trying to raise money um, going out to people raising a bit of finance and and putting it on and and sort of taking all that sort of responsibility um, I mean I wasn't very good at it but it did I suppose that was the sort of uh, that ambition that sense of wanting to kind of make something happen I suppose was useful when it came to moving into a, a different career but uh, or a different part of the industry, if you can yeah. call it that. But, yeah. Did you find um, that, um, like, those tra- those practical... Trans- it's not a case of feeling... Like, organising yourself or organising a production in, in general terms is not a skill... is, is, is just a, a step off a cliff, yeah. realistically. Yeah. It's just knowing that, you know, nobody wants to do the technical stuff, the applications, the paperwork and everything associated with that. But you find that when you just get used to it, it's like anything else and a muscle that you flex and you get better at it. And and then that's when the creative other social and networking elements come into it as well. How important is networking in what you do? Uh, Really important. Uh, I think that having a strong network is is one of the um, key things. I mean, when I was subsequently after I kind of went into there's a bit of a gap between the, the theater and the, the film stuff. But I, when I started to work in film and started to kind of um, develop uh, a, a lot of contacts in the industry, it was, it was very useful. I mean, what it does is it gives you an insight into things. It gives you people you can talk to. It helps you when you're pitching things. It means that you have people who you trust and get along with. And I, I think that that was, that was vital. And it was very mm-hmm. helpful when I was at, when I was at Screen Ireland, it was then called the Irish Film Board. I mean, that was a great way, I don't know what I can say, but it was a great way to, to, to make contacts because mm-hmm. you're not pitching on behalf of yourself. You're pitching on behalf of the industry or on behalf of other filmmakers. So in that way, you're not as much of a threat, if you can put it that way, or you're not taking so much of their time and they know they don't have to say they know they can say no. Yeah. So you start to develop all these sort of conversations. And, and, and a lot of that was, um, even when you're talking about festivals and so on, you just, in the early years of Screen Ireland, I just talked to festival programmers and go, well, what do you want? Like, mm-hmm. what, how does this work? And what do you need? And how do you, and how does this work? And talk to distributors as well. I've got, you know, um, some people who become my friends or U.S. distributors and so on. And, and you can just talk to them. And I was talking to a commissioning editor just yesterday, you know, at Apple and who been, has been my uh, a friend of mine for a long time. And you it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to <laughs> g- give you money or commission your stuff. But it does mean that you can have a conversation that can inform the decisions you're making mm. and inform the work that you're doing. And 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 you can then decide that you you may never make a project with with certain people, but you uh, you get to have a sense of what people want or how to yeah what's in the something. what's in the ether what yeah. might, might might become available yeah. as an opportunity perhaps yeah, yeah. Um, on that role and as the executive the product and executive how did you see that role uh, that role like and um, were you kind of 
midwifing productions into existence or yeah i mean i sort of before that i'd worked with a couple of companies i'd worked with david rain uh vinegar hill solsha who's who's um who's great and kind of gave me the opportunity to work with him on different things and i i tried to direct which i was really bad at and i wrote some things which i wasn't so bad at but i didn't really have any thing to say and then um and then i was at element for a while i was head of development element uh, pictures element films as, as it was then so when I, I was speaking when 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 the job came up at the film board and and it felt after some conversations with simon perry who's the ceo at the time and i've been talking about other things and it sort of was mentioned that there may be a role there i didn't think that i knew what that was i didn't know what a production executive really did i mean i'm being a bit disingenuous because i had some people who i I got on with very well in the the film board but i wasn't sure it was something that i could do i didn't know if i was right for it and it it was and the role was basically i suppose making yeah looking at applications you know Mm -hmm. making recommendations and the applications that come in and then when the projects are um are in production or being financed and in production and post you you are sort of in charge you're looking after the film board's interests in these projects so you you get sometimes creatively involved and and you know keeping an eye on the budget and the production and so on and then uh, so that was basically the role but when i went in and when i got the job and i had to think about whether i was going to do it or not which is weird thing to say but i i had another couple of projects which i was very determined to do i was Mm-hmm. developing citadel with um kieran foy and uh, i uh yeah so i produced the short the fairies of black heath as well and i'd had anyway it's, it, there's lots of gaps here but i was using i had my own production company um and it was uh and when we'd done the fairies which i produced with louise cornley who's that element and is now brown bag who's had a very successful career um, I was I was really determined to try and get Citadel made. And then when the job came up, it just also meant a lot for me personally. It was like really good. It was like a, the salary. Um, but I did struggle for the first six months in the job because I just didn't know what my role was, was supposed to be. or mm. And I didn't feel I was cut out for it. And it was um, it was a tough first six months. It was very kind of stressful. And um, also, I'd been asked to take care of documentaries, um, which was something I had some experience with, with David Rain and NASA Nikinon, but like uh, tangentially, you can say that. I mean, like I was not I was not in any way involved in those docs. Um, and the first few things I'd go to rough cuts with documentaries and I'd, 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 and they'd be very arty docs that, 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 that TV style docs as well. Seems a bit of a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of a contradiction in terms. But like you, um, uh, I just didn't know what I was doing. I was just mm-hmm. sitting there going, "This is like I don't know what I'm supposed to say about this." But uh, it's, it's 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 good. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, "I'm mad. I don't know what I'm doing here." And until but then Simon Perry said to me, he was the CEO. He said, um, "Just do the job the way you think it should be done." And once he kind of gave me permission to just try and own the role and try and do it. And I had great colleagues, Emma Scott and Andrew Meehan and Sarah Dillon, who were all part of the production um, development team. And uh, and we became very good friends. But it, it, it once I kind of did that and started to kind of really research docs and try and say, well, OK, well, what are the documentaries I like? What are the ones that work on, on the big screen? And, and mm-hmm. oh, well, I love Hoop Dreams. I mean, maybe we could do something like Hoop Dreams or not something like Hoop Dreams or something in that, something that has a similar sort of impact or... You know, and then 
you started projects began began coming in, which you started getting a bit more inspired by. I remember one of the first ones that uh, I was across was Saviors that Ross Whitaker and Liam Nolan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, produced and one. directed. Yeah, which was like fantastic, and also suddenly having Ross and Liam there, you think, oh, oh, these are these are people who I get on with and I can have a conversation with, and they're really open and they're ambitious and they want to do things, and then you know, and, and eventually. It, it the, I started to really get into it and become very very passionate about documentaries. It's not to say that I was somehow had a slate that I was just like that I was sort of <laughs> you know they were all my taste, but it, it was more that uh, I sort of could see the route that documentaries could take to get them back into cinemas and and, mm-hmm. and make an impact and get out into international festivals and and that and that sort of gave my the role a real shape alongside the the kind of other stuff I was doing the feature films and. And uh, there's the Catalyst Project, which is a low-budget scheme that I inherited, which was uh, certainly uh, was an experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, they, uh, but the docs became I became very passionate about them. Also, it just felt like, and the other thing about documentaries is when you're in a role like this. I remember we were at um, Sundance with uh, His and Hers, which was. Um, which again, Ken and Andrew are so brilliantly talented, and it's such a good team on that, and Kate and, and Michael shooting it. And it was just a, a superb team, and, and they would have made that film with or without us, you know. It was But the idea that when you get there, there's so few of you, and the same thing happened with Knuckle, you know, we were at Sundance again, and you're like, you can count like ten people and you go, Oh, this is this is the whole <laughs> this is the whole team. And and then in that way you sort of feel that you make a difference or one makes a difference when there's like when the budget's low, the amount of funding that's been put in by by Screen Ireland is is uh really helped get that film made and finished, as opposed to funding just sitting there as part of like 20 financiers and mm-hmm. and just more for for a way of going well this is this is a tick and this is great for promotional purposes i think that sort of funding in docs can make a real difference and i mean it sort of hit a uh, it was really and we started working with really great filmmakers and some really strong films came kind through. of zeitgeisty almost i thought it was good i mm. thought it was a good time i mean like wave riders and um Colony, uh, you know, yeah, um, the summit with Nick and Nick Ryan. I mean, I mean, all of those films and, and Nicky Gogan did some amazing work, and I really loved Sea View. I mean, there's Pajama Girls, which Maya did, which I thought was excellent as well. I mean, there's also films that we've sort of um, that don't get the attention they deserve, like Identities, which is a great film by mm-hmm. Victoria Colonna and Rachel Lysak. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's terrific, and there is um and of course the work that ross did i mean subsequently and and um uh, you know it was it was a kind of a a a, a good time i think you know and i'm probably missing them and actually gabriel <laughs> byrne um the the gabriel byrne doc that pat collins made um with south and blows i thought was great i have to say great one of the best um bio one of those biographical mm-hmm. docs i've ever seen it it it, it um so it was a bit of a golden era. Like, I, well, it was there were some I, great films we're, we're, that period. Like I think yeah. we were very passionate about it. Yeah. I'm sure I'm missing something, but like it's. Uh, I can pull oh, up your IMDb. The here. pipe. <laughs> the pipe. I yeah, get yeah, the pipe. The yeah. pipe is pipe is great film. Yeah. You know, again, Rachel Isaac produced that as well, and which massive Donald, variation. She starred O'Donnell. So, yeah, so much different. Yeah, so many I mean, different. Uh, pipe is t- great topics. film. Yeah, and I thought that, the, and it just felt also, you know, we were sort of alluded to before. Sometimes Irish film gets. Uh, 
can get a hard time and people are you know probably rightly critical of certain Irish films and and there was a period of time where people just dismissed them and thought they were terrible and they may have been terrible um but it, it kind of felt like this was work we could be proud of and mm. again the filmmakers I mean the pipe is a good example like we started was like he he didn't there was no ego there mm. you know he cared about the subject matter he cared he was passionate about it and it was so refreshing when you were at like big festivals where suddenly um other filmmakers are behaving like they're, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson after they've they've had, you know, a film. And if, and whereas, you know, a lot of people I'm talking about it just are really about the work and the, yeah, the yeah. subject matter and, and the, the, what they're trying to, to do. To quote Johnny Giles, that kind of honesty of effort yeah. within the craft of it yeah. all. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And, and the pride, that kind of yeah. village raising a child yeah. pride. Do- yeah, documentaries exactly. don't bode well in the same way that like you know you can have a drama director that's ego and about the director oh. it doesn't really work in documentary yeah. they don't get away with it because he also has to have an interest in people mm. I'm not talking about the, some, the other films later but you know when you have really good directors who know how to interview people you know like Emer mm. Reynolds I mean mm. she Emer you know she's interested like she's genuinely wants to know and cares and there's a there's a sensitivity and there's a way of, of talking to people, which is just a curiosity and what you need to have. And and, and I think he, it's very hard to be um, to be just so self-centered because you're really trying to open yourself up. And that's a real skill that that, uh, you know, filmmakers are talking about. But I mean, like something like Colony, I think, is also overlooked. I mean, Colony, I, I just love Colony. It's great. But <laughs> what about the bees? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, great filmmakers with Ross and uh, Ross McDonald and Carter Gunn and, and Morgan Bush and McDowell Keller. And it, was when it wasn't necessarily an Irish no, story, you know, it was, it was tricky, having yeah. that boldness and yeah. having that confidence to make yeah. an international story. The yeah. neck to kind of go, you know, this yeah. international subject matter as well. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah, but it, testament to it. Was, it. it works on so many levels. When mm. I watch it, I just like it, it was... It's obviously it's about a colony, about the bees, but also it's about the family being a colony, and and it, it's but it's so anyway, it's it's some work of that. I think Ross, you know, Ross just know because he shot it as well. Ross McDonald, he he knows where to put the camera. He just puts it in the right place. It's quite remarkable. Just you know, with 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 in mind with the listeners that we have and the type of work that they do. What tips would you give to prospective documentary directors in terms of pitches and stuff? And applications, uh, what, what you know, any do's and don'ts. It's it, it's hard because it depends. Well, I think that the main things where what what type of documentary do you want to make? I suppose, mm-hmm. and where do you where do you want it to live? I mean, there's certainly um, you can make a television documentary, but it, it, the difference is not obviously that just because something is 90 minutes long that it's mm-hmm. a feature documentary. Some documentaries aren't can't sustain 90 minutes as people are. Um, commissioners will always say the sustained word they can't sustain 90 minutes <laughs> but you um, and and is that is that a, do you want to make a, a doc that just reaches a lot of people very quickly on RT or on the channel and then you can get it out to, to uh, and it makes an impact immediately or do you want to make something I suppose that that may take longer you know have a longer life be something more subtle something that that is more of a, a film i suppose that the filmmaking is Disco- as important disco- as discoverable discoverable as well down yeah. The line. yeah yeah i mean i think that, that and to make it sort of a, a career so that the the filmmaker is as important as the subject matter i suppose mm-hmm. that you can you can go um 
you can watch one of the documentaries and you know that that's a filmmaker. Like Pat Collins has made that mark on his films. Uh, you, you kind of you, you may not you you know you can expect something beautiful and um, and which 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 works uh, as a cinematic piece when when you see Pat's work. And I think that's. Uh, yeah, um, um, we, you know, um, and someone like Ross MacDonald, the work he's done is is more visceral and sort of gets in. It's still cinematic, but it's almost like it's he's so good at kind of getting right in there and and doing something that's a bit more, you know, thriller and and you know, and it's all this and but it's just like having that signature again. Mm. Ross Whitaker has has the sensitivity to his work and a, a, a such a strong sense of narrative of of, of you know um, really getting in and deep with people and 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 the covering and putting that structuring that as as a very again as cinematic piece so mm-hmm. yeah i think god is that good advice it's just <laughs> long advice but like it's um yeah um yeah i think and then finding the right partners for it uh, yeah i mean as an aside i mean we i was fortunate enough to be one of the producers on the eighth uh, which has been in the cinemas um well i mean the cinemas yet it will be soon um but has gotten some really strong reviews um and i was i i i came on quite late to the project and was was mainly doing kind of contracting and um helping with contracting and tax credit and all that kind of stuff um but all that fun stuff yeah but i mean but that was my role and i was actually really really enjoyed it because it was three three terrific filmmakers uh, aiden kane uh, lucy kennedy and Mavo boyle who made you know a remarkable piece and, and how they kind of as we came on quite late with the financing and it was really all in place actually i think we had a few conversations with, with people but generally aiden and lucy and Maeve had put together um such a such a strong kind of coalition of partners and financiers who who were there to support the subject matter mm-hmm. and the filmmakers and and if you have something you feel very passionately about and and again the, the eighth is a, a really strong film in itself and it's not it is all about empathy and it's 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 it, it it's it's not there to kind of it's 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 a film in itself and it's a, it's a proper observational documentary but that's the way that if you know where you want to go and where you want to place the film and who you want to see the film and, and why you feel the subject matter is important then that's a good way of going out and finding partners but it should also probably have some sort of uh, resonance on an international level mm. and you must be proud you know regardless of what level or at what point you, you enter a production like that. But just especially if it's something so, um, you know, on such an important yeah. subject matter, just to be involved in that in some capacity must be very gratifying. Yeah. Or, or say, for example, say you've worked with Frank Berry initially. Oh, yeah. And then see Frankie ago. going, oh, uh, see oh, Frank yeah, go yeah. from that. Oh, God, I don't think I know. could take any. Yeah, I mean, like no, Frank's no, no. career is like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was great. Ballymun Lullaby. It's a great film, actually. I forgot about Ballymun Lullaby. Again, it sort of showed all... Sorry, I'm going to put my water in front of me. Um, <laughs> he showed, I mean, that was a great way of seeing where Frank um, uh, uh, and Donna, um, uh, Donna Aperon, uh, where, where, where the producer were, where, uh, where um, you know, all of some of those things that have come through in his work were there in Bali and Lullaby again, like just really, you know, understanding the community and understanding the challenges and being there and being in the moment of finding characters. And but I would imagine when, very much like that process was very much about supporting him as, it a, as a creative. Yeah, but it was a tough one. I mean, he, I mean, that was like, God, I think he, they applied a couple of times. It, was, it wasn't, 
it wasn't an obvious one. I mean, when yeah. it was when it was pitched, and I think the, it was just Frank was was and Donna were were um, uh, just just kept going, you know, and 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 really were were, were strong about. It. But yeah, that I mean, something like that is very important. I mean, it would yeah be, be so good that they yeah. can't ignore you, basically. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but you're right, and I think with the eighth going back to that, I mean, mm-hmm. I. I Quite honestly, when when it was approached with it, it was Maeve O'Boyle, who's mm-hmm. one of one of the directors and the editor, um, um, with Jordan and the other editor. When Maeve came, um, it was Maeve. Really, to be honest, I I, I was like, wow, I, I'd work with Maeve on anything. I think she's 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 brilliant. And we've been talking about another couple of things and the idea that. And and it was again the filmmaking team that was was interesting. I mean, the subject matter was 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 something I that, you know. Uh, uh, something I, you know, I, I feel strongly about, but at the same time, it was their film. It wasn't mm-hmm. my role to 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 be um, too creatively involved or anything. It was, but but the idea of working with with the three filmmakers was what really inspired us to kind of want to get on board. And it was uh, it was it was a very nice project. But but again, it was they are the three leads. We were we were in the background, just mm-hmm. just just you know, doing what we do. Um, yeah, that kind of find great people and let them let them do their jobs. Oh, let them it's work. not even let. Yeah, I mean, because they had they, they just they were just doing it and, and they already knew exactly how, how to, to make it. And <laughs> even beyond that, I mean, placing it as they have internationally and mm-hmm. and with a distributor in the UK um, together, films have been great and Breakout here have also been excellent. And, and, and you know, it, it's been a really nice structure and it's been very well kind of managed by by the team they they're very good at making people uh f- um, get on with each other and have conversations and discussions they're they're really I mean, it's been the learning experience for me I've, I've found it to be to be great um and I suppose I mean if, if they were I mean they, they're how they put that together is quite an interesting story as well you know um would you see your part of your role as helping find a place or finding an audience for for each yeah, film, yeah, definitely. It was in in the film boards. I'm calling it the film boards, Screen Ireland. Um, <laughs> I was that became quite a key part of of the role to try and figure out how to place films internationally. And each festival would have a documentary programmer. I mean, at the time it was like say something like David Courier at Sundance, which we person we would talk to about documentaries um i see this tom powers at toronto who's um one of the key figures in in the industry and uh along with david as well and um you would uh you'd sort of try and very early on to sort of talk to them and see and try and inspire them and and discuss them and 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 get a sense of what might work for them and and the timing of Mm -hmm. it and and Oftentimes it would be, you know, say with someone like Tom, Tom might go, well, you know what? And you talk about different films and he'd go, you know, I really like the sound of that's something we couldn't really do with. You know, we didn't have something that had that impact like the like the pipe might be an example of that. Like last year, I think we could really do with, you know, that sounds like a really it's a really important subject. I think it's really going to resonate with our audience. I can feel like so if you can get that to me you know, by such and such a date and then you, you, you talk to the filmmaker and then and they get it to Tom and then you, you, you sort of 
yeah, you try and place it where it might work. And you become a media, you know, a mediator in to a, a way. degree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just like and 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 you feel passionate about it, and people trust you. I mean, I'm trying to think, Sundance did never really work that way. I mean, I think with the three films that when I was that were at Sundance, it was more. I think I may have. I think on Knuckle, I sort of was was involved to a degree of of, of like just talking to some of the programmers, but. Um, the producer of Knuckle, Teddy Leifer, is, is quite a, um, a, a, a he's he's just a very very strong personality and very passionate. And he can then he really made it work <laughs> and great you know great hustler. Um, <laughs> uh, so it was uh, so yeah. I think it was it was it was just really finding a way to place them. And then some films may not work for those. Maybe IDFA, you know, the International Documentary Festival Amsterdam might be a better launch pad or Hot Docs mm-hmm. um, is a great um, launch pad for certain films with Shane Smith. And you, you, you sort of try and do it. And then there's also the idea, is it more arty? Should it be maybe in Berlin at the Forum and um, or, you know, we try and get something into Cannes, which I failed as one of my big disappointments. I really wanted to have a documentary when I was in Cannes. But anyway, um, you, you know, it's just placing it or try back up you know, um, can often be very important. But I mean, I think the main thing about, God, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I suppose that's the point of this. <laughs> that's the whole point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you want to get attention. You want it to be mm-hmm. visible. You want the film to be reviewed. Yeah. Um, and you, you want it to kind of make an impact. And that's the point of festivals. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 and I think sometimes people think it's maybe just so you can get that laurel that you've been to some festival and can put it all over your poster, which distributors like, but you don't, it's more about just having that opportunity to kind of get the film out there and get those, uh, um, get those reviews, get that attention. And then if you have a sales agent, which you should have at this point, get someone to buy it. So that's the juice for you. Um, well, I like that stuff. I mean, when it was going well, but then when it goes badly, it's, it's terrible. But, you know, when we did um, like being in TIFF with something like uh, being AP, which was, you know, initiated by Nick Ryle and, um, John Wilcombe, um, and totally very different from a lot yeah, of the other ones. And again, yeah. that was more. Again, initially, I was sort of more the, the kind of the eighth sort of role on that. But and, and the first time I'd worked with John Wallace, actually outside of the film board, who, who's now my business partner. Mm. Um, they that was there was a thrill of being in TIFF there. I thought that was great. The idea we had a really good sales agent, Han Wei, who I knew quite well, and Mark Lane, who was handling it for Han Wei, would had become a, a friend of mine and. I mean that was quite thrilling, you know. That would that I enjoyed that part, um, just being involved in that. Uh, and with Knuckle, that was really good fun, actually. With Sundance, <laughs> we'd uh, uh, not got into a bit of trouble over that. I don't know if I could say, it, but anyway, <laughs> Go on, we, uh, love, we, we, love, we love these stories. Uh, really, can I say that? Maybe I can now. Am I allowed? I might have to check with the film board. Um, no, we we because Teddy was so ambitious, and we, we'd had a, a, a sales rep as they're called, um, at CAA, one of the agencies. And we were doing all these, like, uh, um, and a deal came through really quickly. And it was one of those things that um, the producer was like, we've got to approve the deal, we've got to approve the deal. And it was for U.S. distribution. I think that was the deal, it was for U.S. distribution. And um, uh, they then had to do a really good deal. And I was like, oh, my God, okay, great. That sounds great. I'll approve it. And then, like, it was announced <laughs> in the press before I told any of my colleagues that this had happened. And um, I got quite a, a telling off for, for, for that, which was wrong of me to do. But I was just so caught up in, in the thing and there was a time difference in fairness and I didn't think it would be announced so quickly but it was um, 
that was good fun. You know, actually going down. It's, I know it sounds pretty dodgy, but actually like <laughs> being in an alleyway with Teddy, which is what it was, like me, like him, like going through this like contract with me, like in an alley. Why do you think like signing um, on backs and uh, stuff? Yeah, <laughs> when, when we were in sync, because we, we don't we don't have right when you're at the film board, you don't have rights and projects and anything. But it's just we did have approvals over this side of things, and it was that was you know fun time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I liked Ted. Teddy's very nice, and um. And Ian, who directed it, was 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 great as well. And Michael was was, was shooting it, so it was it was a, sort of a good time. I, that, that stuff was 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 good, a bit thrilling. Yeah. Has there been? Do you feel there's been a shift kind of since then? That you know, it's not a given that documentaries are going to get a cinema release. Yeah. How do you feel about that, or how uh, where things are going? I don't. I mean, it's. But that that's always been the challenge. I mean, mm. like with docs, it was by the time I joined the film board, the golden age of docs was over. Apparently, right? You know, you you you. What had happened is there'd been a big um, slew of successful docs, you know, driven by Michael Moore and and that kind of thing at the time, and they were really and people were starting to pay an awful lot of money in terms of acquiring documentaries and investing, but but, but you know, putting equity investments all in, but like. Definitely acquisitions were big. And there was a big Sundance um, uh, doc. I mean, The Shadow of the Moon, I think, was 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 the big doc that was sort of paid for. And my kid could paint that. So there's a couple mm. of docs that suddenly got made huge deals, like in the millions, um, and then didn't really succeed at the box office or, or, or didn't meet expectations. So by the time I joined the film board, it was already like, ah, docs don't work in the cinema. Nobody wants to see them anymore. Um, and I was going around to all these sales agents and stuff, and they were like, no, 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 we don't want to, docs are, are, are not for us. We don't want to do them anymore. So it's always that sort of thing. There's like, it, it, it's sort of, there's ups and downs. And, uh, it, how, so, how, has, but, how has Netflix and, and streaming services changed the dynamic of... of distribution now well i think if, if you i mean there was the time period of time where like if you netflix were acquiring a lot of docs um and one of the films i mentioned did, did a good netflix deal early on but like it was uh it, it's mm, at the moment it's sort of it, it depends what you need to get on the platform it's become harder there was a period of time where they're picking up a lot because they mm. wanted content so you could finish a film and you might be you know, you, you could be optimistic that you might take it. But now I think it's harder. They're commissioning more stuff. They've been excellent uh, um, European and UK commissioning editor called Kate Townsend, who's got great taste and is hugely skilled, um, who's at Storyville for years. So they're, they're but, 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 you know, Kate's very good at commissioning and taking care and exact producing. So the idea that they would suddenly become this acquisition says that I think that, Era is so over. They're not like so, the the Chelsea of European football uh, of distribution, to, where they buy players and then loan no, them out, kind of thing. No, and, no, no. <laughs> they're like, they're, so they become so that's changed a bit, and you can see the type of work that's on Netflix yeah. as well. I mean, they do want to have work that makes an impact. And is a bit controversial, and mm. and, and 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 I think they're not quiet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. you want to make something that's a bit more. Um, contemplative or you know you, you know you know probably not so i think they have made a difference in that mm-hmm. you know if they if they come on you can get you know really decent budget and you can make a huge impact internationally uh but i still believe that you know there is a place for documentaries and cinemas um, oh absolutely if there's a place in the world for cinemas but like yeah i, I, I and i think that as soon as you've got to kind of go against the grain you know not not just feel that 
uh, I think what's happened over the last year or so because of the pandemic, people are very quick to to dismiss things. So they go, oh, well, the future is now online. Forget it. And this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost like in, in our industry, there's like an eagerness to go, cinema's dead. Oh, yes. Woohoo. We're all like, really? Why do you want that? I don't mm-hmm. know if it's coming from a place where um, certain elements don't really ever really like films or don't like going to the cinema or mm. like find it or, or don't like those RT weird films or don't or even like the RT commercial films. You know, they it feels like it becomes very narrow that everything has to be about streaming or TV and a certain type. And I think if you're always reacting to the to to or pandering even uh, to 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 what you think people want, then you're never going to make anything that's particularly distinctive or unique. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be cookie cutter stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not always, but I think that yeah. if you're, I'm not saying that it is cookie cutter stuff. But I'm saying if you're pandering, it probably will be. If you're tr- if you're following trends as yeah. opposed to yeah. to starting them. Must have been a stressful year with you know trying to keep productions going and the release of. Uh, for uh, songs for one in my way it, we we did we did okay i mean like we um we were um where were we i mean at the start of the pandemic i think for everybody was was um and the start of the lockdown here was was very difficult time and i think for us and i've had like i don't know if i can talk about this but you know i've i've had uh challenges with my mental health in the past you know um uh, which uh uh, actually had more of an impact on the people I was working with the people around me who were always mm. really kind brilliant people but I, I was I had my issues which was and and at the beginning of and they're all mine and the, my, my responsibility um, but they uh, at the beginning of the the pandemic yeah it was like a couple of weeks where you go oh my god what are we mm. this is it like this is mm. what are we going to do and we were we were in the midst of financing um, uh, Andrew Legg's film Lola and in the midst, I would say we were we weren't like we weren't like going to shoot the next day. And other films were bad, more badly impacted because they were financed and they were ready to start shooting. They had their cast and everything. We were a little bit slower than that. We had our lead lead cast member, but we we were we were, we were a few months behind. But that was like it was my real passion project of ours. And and I think myself and John just had a a couple of bad weeks. I mean, John is a very very optimistic and positive person. But then slowly, <laughs> I have to say, Screen Ireland were brilliant. They were yeah. just great because they introduced the slate funding, which gave a focus. And suddenly they're like, OK, we can do that. And then um, Dervil O'Regan, who was our exec on, on Lola, who's just, I mean, I, 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 whether Dervil was at Screen Ireland or not, she's just she's just one of the best creatives in the industry, I'd say. I mean, she's just amazing and, and amazingly supportive. Like, it's just Every time she every time she gives notes, they're just like, my God, this is just so right. And so, Dervla was there to support us. And I think after that, we we started coming up with a plan of how we would shoot Lola. I mean, we were like, okay, how can we shoot this safely? When will it open up? What can we do? What kind of approaches can we take? And it, it and because of the particular approach of the film, um, which is which is a mix of different formats, we felt we could we could do it. So quickly, we kind of got the focus back, and it started to be a bit. Um, to improve a lot. And then this other film that we co-produced called Bally Walter, which is in post, came, came down the line as well. And suddenly we found ourselves quite busy. So mm-hmm. it, it got it got better quite quickly, actually. Um, and we were very fortunate. Um, but the cinema release was 
kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I noticed that like the the poster buses, was on the bus and it was yeah. on a loop for eleven months. Still, I was yeah, like, Let me good. see this yeah. film. <laughs> it's uh, still on. I saw it. I saw it the same day. Saved a few quid. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> every day. Just yeah. plastered a new date over. It, it, it'd I mean, be great. Yeah, I mean that's what. Like, I mean that was because we had original dates and we kept. Oh. And I think for Emer especially, it was such because it's such a great film. It's so good to see in the big screen, and and yeah. we just had, I mean, a festival in London. Even then, was 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 not quite the right room for it. And you think, oh my God, we didn't want to see this in a proper cinema. It'd be fine. And then we had like a few previews of the Stella just before it opened, and then just before it opened, we had to, they had to close the cinemas um, again. So I think that was very disappointing. I mean, but we've, you know, rallied around and kind of kept the faith. And 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 Emer and John Wallace, my business partner, they very, they really wanted to be seen in the cinema. I mean, in fact, Emer and John are really most passionate about it being on the big screen, and they've never kind of given up hope that this is where people will respond best because Emer's put so much work mm. into. Um, and um, and Outer Limits and uh, put so much work into it. It's sounding Oh, it's so cinematic, great. though. I yeah. mean, it, it, you know, even the trailer alone reminds me of the, the, the feeling I had when I went to see the Diego Maradona documentary. Oh, that's a great doc, oh, isn't it? And mm. on the big screen in particular, yeah. and the hairs yeah. were up. Oh, I was like, this is not supposed to make me feel like this. Yeah. I was thinking at the time, you know, yeah. and oh, I, I had a similar kind of, yeah. and I'm, I haven't seen it, um, but I'm really excited to see it for the same reason. I think in the cinema. Yeah, well, yeah. And the same, I mean, I think that was the real disappointment, but we've managed to break out uh, pictures where the distributor are, um, have been amazing, just yeah. amazing. So they've, Really kept the faith, and any time that that there there seems like it's going to be safe again to kind of do it, they've been right in there, and cinemas been really supportive, and the Stella has been especially supportive. I think at Omniplex and all, that Robert's going to not be very happy if I, 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 I mention everyone. I don't have the whole list. <laughs> everyone is supporting it. It's great, but like it's um, uh, it's been really yeah. I, I think that was, but but it, it's it's tough. I mean, but when we but shooting during the pandemic was interesting, obviously as well, but. We were um, uh, we 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 did it safely. Or what did you find did. yourself more focused, if possible? No, no. It's just I mean, I just or checking those figures. Um, no, well, neither really. I mean, I think that it's. I think it just added another layer of or worrying about whether mm. we're going to go down, like go up a level, <laughs> am I going in the right direction? Yeah. Uh, go up a level, uh, and then we'd be, you know, something would happen, or if somebody would, somebody did test positive, and there's all those concerns. But mm. you, um, we were we were okay. We had a good plan, and and we had a great PM, um, Maria Mulhall, and John Wallace, my business partner, Ken, who's really experienced and very calm, and has a great and really understands crew and great, uh, great. For, so we had a good team. It's a bit early talking with this film because it hasn't been finished yet, so it could be <laughs> terrible. Uh, but like we, um, we had a really good. Uh, yeah, it was it was just another layer of stress, but but it just meant there were different things. You couldn't have as many people in a room, and that mm. and that was my. Uh, I found that tough because there's times where I would really like to be there for Andrew, the director, and be in the room with him. I mean, on Bally Walter, our co-production, we just uh, it would wasn't it wasn't appropriate for us even to travel up to to Belfast. That wouldn't have made sense. It would have again yeah. added more mm-hmm. expense and uh, unnecessary expense to and concerns to the um, uh, line producer and producer up there and director. So. Yeah, but we'll see. I'm hoping that we're now... It'd be great to go back to the cinema. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where did you come in in the development of the uh, Songs for a While on My Way? That's... Yeah, that, that's... Uh, 
I was going to say that's really interesting, which is probably like the worst thing to start a sentence with. That's very interesting because it's only the most boring story. Uh, no, it was we we were approached by Eagle Rock Entertainment. They've now changed the name to Mercury Studios, um, who are a international distributor of documentaries and um, are part of the Universal Music Group. So um, Peter Worsley, who was there so he came to us and said well we have this villain doc and we 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 obviously want to kind of have some irish element what do you think and so we thought about it and figured out how we were going to to help and we had to find a director and at, at, at the time they we were very ambitious wanting to have a, a really decent budget um and initially uh, jim sheridan kind of engaged with the project and we did some work with jim but it, it it didn't it wasn't something that eventually Jim felt he could or wanted um it felt it was the right fit for him the 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 setup of 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 the the film though he was great and really really brilliant to sort of work with them um and uh and uh Colin Quinn was also involved as well but then we um so then we were after we'd done some work some development work on it and and then a little bit of shooting and so on we were left without a director so we I had heard through Keith Potter who was at the, the Irish Film Board at the time Keith had been talking to Emer Reynolds um because he was across another project of hers and had uh had said well I think Emer might be interested and we met with Emer and, and she was incredibly passionate about um, Thin Lizzy and Phil in it and, and would, had, you know, an intimate knowledge. And, and we were obviously big fans of The Farthest and oh, yeah. Here is Cuba and and, and, and all of, of Emer's editing work. And so then we introduced Emer into the team and and, and, and Emer um, developed a, a relationship with with um the family and and it 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 started to kind of take shape and and that was so yeah we were involved from from a very early point in the film and we were uh yeah got to know the people involved very very well and and we knew how we were going to make it and 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 you know start putting together the budget and so on important to have someone like Emer involved based on what you referenced earlier about somebody who really gains the trust of exactly. the subjects so that they're not, you know it's not yeah. a cash cow like the family don't yeah. feel as if it's just a cash yeah. cow coming into you yeah. know yeah i mean i think I mean, i'm not saying that jim wouldn't have, have done that he would have done an amazing job but and, and certainly jim was a huge fan and and uh Emer and jim shared that but Emer also you know very quickly kind of zeroed in on the songs as well she zeroed in the yeah. songs the meanings of the songs you know the the sort of musical journey and and for and and that and what Phil was writing about um, called that sort of informed the uh, the story of his life, or the story of his life was informing the songs rather, mm-hmm. um, and and putting together a structure that would that would work for that, and and then also coming up very clear about how who would be in it, and, and trying to have a personal connection with with virtually everybody in the film as a personal connection to to. Um, Still in a really with just one exception, but like everyone had kind of met him or, or worked with him and and uh, knew him or was personally involved, and and I think that gives it a real sense of really really people knowing him and the different eras. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, yeah, it was it was a long um, it was a long shoot and it was a long post in term, in Irish terms, in international terms, I mean not so 
it was a bit of a it was a bit of a beast of a film, I have to say, a bit of a beast of a documentary. Yeah, right. It uh, it you know it's it's quite a scale to it, and and um, which which is really paid off. But uh, yeah, it took it, it it's it's taken quite a bit of time, but it's really been been great, and mm-hmm. and it's been you know terrific. I got to meet Huey Lewis. That was one of the big <laughs> things. Okay. That was the Huey Lewis news <laughs> fan when I was growing up. So that was that was a big thrill for me. And it's you know it's a big undertaking, but it's a story you know that is out there. So how how do you like what angle do you find to kind of go what what are we bringing new? You know, that's a really good. That's a really good point. I mean, I suppose. And this isn't supposed to be facetious or anything, but I suppose the big thing was the music. I mean, yeah. the, mm-hmm. we ha- I know that sounds weird, but we had the music. So yeah. you can tell the story with the music. And I think some other, any documentary in the past has struggled with that, uh, rights in different places. And like it's, um, and I think that the big difference is we could actually have, you know, access to all of these songs and, 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 and I think that's still the kind of heart of it. But I think it's very much about Dublin and a sense of place and a sense of identity. And it's all those themes have kind of come through, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's not it, I think thematically it's strong. And Emer's really kind of plumb those depths um, to, to really get to uh, to make it resonate with people who don't necessarily you don't need mm-hmm. to be a huge Thin Lizzy fan well it's that classic film. why now thing and it's a yeah. very important story to hear yeah. again now yeah yeah exactly you know uh, well and I think that and also we, we, we're sorry we're very fortunate to have you know we we, we see his uh, Sarah and Kathleen his two daughters in the film as well which is which is I think very um, important and mm-hmm. and uh, so that's very moving, you know, part of the film well, mm. for me anyway. And mm. I, I think that you are seeing this other perspective um, and they're amazing. You know, it's uh, and that was a big um, it's really nice to be able to meet the, the you know, um, Sarah and Kathleen and the grandchildren and Caroline is his mm-hmm. widow. And, and they were just really it, it's quite amazing because then you look at these, you think, wow, this is these these are these are kids and this is their granddad, you know, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. like and and he means so much to them as well, you know, and 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 it's uh, you kind of feel oh, then I think there's a duty of care to kind of do something. It's a, like it's that. a, it's, that's, yeah. You know, it has a lovely rubber stamp of authenticity, you know, because yeah. there's glaring omissions in some other docs where it's yeah. like, where are the family here? Well, okay. I mean, I think it's I mean, you know, you can always lie. I mean, it, you, you tell I mean, you, you, you tell the story as much as you can. And I think it's but I think it's. You know, it, it it's really not. I mean, it isn't. It really is about the music and his mm. career and his and fill in <laughs> himself. It's about the music, man. Yeah, yeah. It's about the music. <laughs> well, when someone dies so young, I like. Yeah, he's, he was thirty six or yeah. something. It's crazy. And, you know, growing up it was like, oh, he was thirty six. He was old. Like when I was yeah, fifteen, I that seemed old. Now yeah. I'm thirty four, and it's like, oh my god, yeah. oh, everything that he achieved in that time, and you know, the the music does get lost, and that yeah. until you go back and you listen. And you just the depth yeah. of songs. So that's really refreshing to hear. You know that that makes me more excited to see it. You know, yeah. And to hear those songs in the speakers, yeah, oh, in Jesus, the cinema, yeah. and it's great archive as well. It's like yeah. we might, I mean, he managed to 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 find some terrific and with with our our, our whole um, production team, but but um you know, Antony and Tony Cranston, the editor, like really kind of zeroed in on some brilliantly, you know, revealing archive, and and it's 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 it's. it's it's yeah, it's a very very um, well told story, but I mean that makes it sound like a, a damn with faint praise, but not at all. It's just it's it's a 
it's something that we're really proud to have been involved with. And Emer's vision for the film is is quite remarkable, and it's made something that just really is is yeah, it's really emotional and and really hits home. And and again, it's it's effortless. I think as Emer's mm. films feel effortless, you know, you you don't you don't see the joins, but you, you feel the impact, you know. And and I think that that's. That's the best way. To make I think it's wonderful. You d- it wasn't shoehorned into a streaming service, you know. Or well, yeah, I, it's brave. It's brave. Yeah. You know, I think it's wonderful to see. Yeah. It needs to be seen in the cinema. Yeah, like this. I mean, it's been I mean, it's all films do, but yeah. you know, internationally it's a bit disappointing. But though it has been released in certain territories in the in theatrical, but it's been such a weird year last year that like mm. it's it's everything so bitty. It's very hard to really get a mm. sense of where. It is. But anyway, yeah, it's um, so, yeah. So then, then then we'll then. But we'll see. I mean, docs are difficult, I should say. I mean, we we we, we find uh, I'm not sure how many we would we would we, we're not uh, we, we we're not focused on just producing documentaries. Certainly mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's actually we're not that sort of documentary house. We don't we're very interested in a certain type of cinematic doc if we can get there and then um we're not as interested in doing, you know, a number of just, you know, doing tons of TV docs or anything like that. Yeah, I think yeah, we yeah. tend to get pretty. You want to be emotionally well, invested also? You know, I, I just want to make yeah. cinema. I mean, honestly, I think yeah. docs were just another way of making cinema. And for me, when I left the film board, it was just the first things I was, I'd be, I was approached with thanks to my, some of my contacts. Hey, we've come full <laughs> circle. Uh, thanks to my contacts that, that come to me and said, well, would you like to do, um, we have a doc and you've done docs in the past you've always been boring me about, about how passionate you are about documentaries maybe you'd like to uh, have this one and then you know and so that really got us started well got me started when I left uh, uh, the, the film board the, the, that wasn't necessarily the intention of the company I was with at the time mm-hmm. uh, but it, 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 it yeah and then we wanted to again it's just a way of working with filmmakers I don't think it's it's docs is it's the stories and whatever exactly. way that story needs to be yeah. told, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they can be, but they are hard. I mean, they're getting harder and harder to finance. Mm-hmm. Um, cinema docs are getting harder and harder to do. And especially, I think, with a lot of funding agencies, you know, internationally. And so I'm moving into the television area. It, it, I do fear or worry that there is that somehow that's replacing the support for documentaries, you know, that you... The kind of support that was there for cinema docs is starting to be, you know, um, cut into and, and used for for television. I think that that's that's a real shame, you know, that that um, uh, there is because they're they're the kind of area that needs it most, mm-hmm. you know. And I think especially as creative docs, you know, they they can make such an impact and can build careers, and they're uh, they can really they can really do be great i mean i think that's the thing it can make a great film you know as opposed <laughs> to just making an okay sort of film oh, i think it's quite oh you know it's kind of pleases everybody it's kind of soft and people please feel good we don't make anyone feel bad everything has to be feel good and like it's all again you think it well that's okay but we don't make something great Gr- great is not for everybody is yeah it? Well, oh, i mean it's like i mean you want to you know do you not want to be Radiohead sometimes? You know mm. do you want to like uh <laughs> i think that's always what kind of talk about i mean you know, I think support you need, and this isn't even on docs. I think generally in films, mm-hmm. I think support should be 
it doesn't always have to be for everyone who's, you know, I don't even know who's in the charts at the moment. But, you know, sometimes you've got to support the PJ Harveys. You've got to support the Radioheads. You've got to support, you know, even the work that Nick Cave is doing. You know, he does get paid quite well for films as well. But, you know, you, you, you kind of find this or St. Vincent or whatever that you kind of find a... Um, these really distinctive true artists and that's what you want to you want to make that impact not always be thinking about well bombs on seats well or Mm. just doing something that makes that pleases everybody you know i mean it's 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 going to divide people but you want someone to say this is you want to make a film that's somebody's favorite film as somebody once said to me before and not just have a film that pleased the people who are going to an agreeable meal. An agreeable meal. Kind I mean, of thing. Because also yeah. got to accept that sales agents, I mean, anyway, I'm getting my rant now, but sales agents are, like sales agents and distributors can give you an insight, but they're, I'm not saying that producers aren't often wrong, but they're often wrong as well. You mm. know, you you have to be passionate and believe in what you're making. I don't yeah. think it's like, anyway. What about, um, just from a, an advice point of view, um, number one, how do you deal with rejection? Oh yeah. Um, or and what advice would you give to your younger self in relation to reacting to rejection? Um, hmm, that's a good question. How do you deal with rejection? We ask everybody. Um, Re- reject rejection and or you know the you can also reject that question as well. Uh, oh no. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with rejection? I mean, it's hard. Again, John Wallace, my business partner, is 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 probably better at dealing with rejection than I am. Um, John has an amazing ability to, you know, learn from, like, feel that it's a learning experience. You know, okay, mm-hmm. what did I? What can I learn from this? What did I? Did I pitch this in the right way, or is this not the right thing? Did we not put it together? Is it not strong enough? Um, whereas, uh, I think. Uh, I think that is the best way to do is going to say, okay, well, next time we'll try something different. Um, And sometimes if it's a particular project, I think uh, there are times when you've got to give up the ghost in a way. I think you've got to say, this is, let's move on from this. This is not going to work. Um, uh, Because it's, uh, you know, if, I think that's going to, but I think learning from it and then kind of going in better, I think being annoyed and angry and depending on who being rejected by and start writing a letter of complaint. And, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think ever really fortunate, not because people don't take those things seriously, unless you have a genuine mm-hmm. complaint, but there's usually, a, there's probably a good reason. Um, and it depends who's rejecting you. Certainly some people that reject <laughs> us, I'm like, what the hell? Um, uh, and I think rejection is going to flip that around. If people are rejecting or turning you down, they should they should meet with you and tell you why or talk to you and tell you why. Film board and screen on do that. But like if if other you know agencies in Ireland uh, hide behind some sort of box ticking enterprise, then I think that's not the way to do it because it's, everything is subjective. And to sort of pretend it's objective and then make up criteria to pretend it's being objective mm. is just not on. <laughs> and I think that, and then you shouldn't be in that role. If you're if you're in a role and you're you're assessing projects and you don't have the guts mm. to tell somebody what is wrong with the project, or you didn't, then you're in the wrong job. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's have not. the courage of your convictions. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that. 
uh, it's you've got to be able to sit down with somebody and tell them why. And because if maybe you don't understand why, you know, and if you don't understand why, they should. Well, you don't have it. to agree with it, but be told exactly. why. Exactly, you gotta have. Please that. tell me why, yeah, so I can improve. Exactly, exactly. Um, and what was it? What, what would I tell my younger self? I, I tell you what I tell. Listen my to this self. podcast in thirty uh, years. Yeah, 30 I would, years. yeah, yeah. I tell my younger <laughs> self uh, honestly. I would say don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Or drink less. No, I don't Just drink. Don't, don't, don't drink. That would be my advice. I mean, that would what I would tell myself: don't stop drinking. Um, mm. And uh, depending on what, so, but actually, at any point after I was eighteen, I would say stop drinking. And I wish I'd, uh, yeah. Other people have told me that over the years, um, up until I got to a certain point where I did have stopped drinking um, for a number of years. And I think it's, uh, yeah. And I think that it's, it's a. It's it's but I would I'm not giving some people can drink. I couldn't drink. But I think it's mm-hmm. it's it can be it's hugely dem- damaging to to it can be hugely dem- damaging to oneself, to the people around you um, and uh, who don't deserve it. I mean, whatever you're doing to yourself, certainly kind, talented people who you're surrounded mm-hmm. by don't deserve to be, uh, you know, you know. Uh, trying to deal with with whatever mess is going on and your personal people in your personal yeah. life as well obviously some supportive people partners and, and so on but mm. like you, you and I think that would be yeah I think it's and, and career wise I mean I'm, uh, sort of I don't know I mean eventually it didn't maybe hasn't had that much of an impact but like I think it it it, it, it is damaging to a, to one's career and mm. I can see that and, and even well. from a very practical point of view having an, an extra couple of hours in the day when you yeah. don't drink is incredibly bene- beneficial yeah, and, and most most people I know who have stopped drinking altogether have like they've just spiked their 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 yeah. success and their confidence has just spiked over well, the years it, it gives you the t- I think you, you can't deal with whatever it, issues you may have mentally either when you're drinking that just doesn't happen you just mm-hmm. can't i mean if you've got it's still going to take you a while to deal with them but you you then can suddenly have the space to do it, but it's not going to help and i think mm. that with mental health if somebody could say look you're having all these problems but you know you'll solve 30 percent of them or something instantly <laughs> i mean imagine if somebody said like well well here's something i'll solve instantly it then takes a while to kind of but but it, it's remarkable you go okay well then I don't have to deal with all that anymore. I can just deal with these things, um, yeah. which are the underlying issues. And that still doesn't make one perfect. It takes a while to, to do that. But I think that that's, um, yeah, that would be my my advice. Don't don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's tough enough. The business, business is tough enough. Yeah. Having a hangover. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think it's just, but I mean, it is tough. I mean, if you go in, I was at an event a few years ago after I'd stopped drinking and I was like, I went in this, went in the door and said, uh, you know, red, white or a beer. And you're like, mm, I just like a glass of water. And I like, oh, well, I'll go over to the bar. And then the bar is like six deep. And you're like, you're not really helping. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it's 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 not that people shouldn't drink or shouldn't. But I think that the day of those boozy events and stuff should end. You know, right. no mm-hmm. more free alcohol just so people can get sloshed. I think it's just incredibly um, unhelpful for any number of reasons. And I think I'm not, again, it's personal responsibility. I'm not saying that that would thing. I mean, it was, it's like, I should have just copped on 
eight years earlier, but I think that that was, yeah. I, I, I think it helps with a lot of blended ways of networking. And yeah, uh, exactly. Now, these are good things, you know? Yeah. People are not pressurized into doing things they don't want to exactly. do or being in scenarios they don't want to be in. Exactly. So the idea of going to a film festival and experiencing that in a couple of different ways is really helpful. Yeah. And you, you know, because you don't want to be, number one, the drunk person in, at, the, at the film festival, or you don't want to yeah. be... You know the, the the overly chatty, over familiar person as well. Exactly. So I think this, this I mean, new way of kind of working, I think, is is good for us all. I think yeah. it, I think you're right. I think and it should continue that way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that. But it's also, I mean, if there's other alternatives and and you there are different ways of meeting people. But also, I think that the amount of money you may spend on booze, you could probably put it towards you could you make know. a film well what was that well I, I, even that <laughs> but you can also put towards like a, a better like a, a decent enough not i'm not saying like a luxury but like just a, a quiet hotel room or, mm. or apartment where you can just disappear at 10 o'clock mm. and get back without mm. the feeling well i've got to get locked tonight because i'm going to sleep on that sofa and i like, can never <laughs> sleep because it's like 28 people yeah. coming in um there uh, might be uh, some deal happening at five in the morning exactly. in the radisson in galway yeah, yeah. well yeah. god oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> my last drink actually but i was like it was um really yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i put it, it, it is that i mean it shouldn't mm. be mm. There's not, uh, but it works for some people. And I think the idea that, I mean, Galway is a good example. A lot of mm. people go and like to have pints of Guinness and so on. I mean, that may be very dismissive. It's what I liked to do. I loved it. Like, yeah. so I loved it for years. So when I mean, it was like, I love doing it. So I'm not like, I'm, but it, it's, yeah, but, I, you know, different festivals. I remember being, going to Cannes a, a few times there without having a, a drinking and actually, I much prefer it. I mean, there are other ways. People need to know that. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, you get like you're spending money on your pass, and you get like you get to see films all the time, and it's mm. great. And you yeah. want to actually see some films, yeah. and Not have a hangover mm. for four days. Yeah. That's before I know we're going to wrap up, but that's what Simon Perry once said. My who's the CEO of Film Board and my mentor, really. Um, whenever we went to a film festival, he'd never ask who did you meet. He would ask what did you see. Mm. And for Simon, it was as important and it still is to to yeah. watch films and 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 uh, yeah, watch uh, films on the big screen. Watch um, songs while I'm oh, away yeah, on the big screen. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming in. This thanks, has been eye opening. <laughs> Which one are you talking? To? Exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks for your time. And guys, uh, just as an aside, there we have. If you would like to join us for our members forum, FNI members forum, that's coming up on the twenty seventh of July, and you can join us on Hop In, and then and then that will lead to another uh, in person networking event that we're having towards the end of the year. Thanks for your time. Great. Thanks. It's a boozy event. I hope I'll be there. Uh, I'll start well, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm> Can't. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> yeah. Thanks that so much. That was great. That was great.